Hello and welcome to OU's Nach Yomi. You can find this year posted at ouradio.org/nach or on my website ericlevy.com under the recording section. Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy, and I am pleased to bring to you Chapter Six of the Book of Eov. Vayan Eov Vayomar, and Eov answered or responded, and he said, "Eov, <coughs> excuse me, begins his response to Eliphaz by explaining that he is Eov is complaining for a very good reason." So one would have expected that Eliphaz's accusation to that response is, why are you complaining when you have nothing to complain about? Even though we saw that that wasn't Eliphaz's accusation. Eliphaz's accusation was that any complaint against God is blasphemy. So in order to kind of uh, fix up or make equal the accusation with the response, maybe we could say that Eov is saying to Eliphaz that as long as the complaints are coming from a real place, of pain and sorrow, um, and that they're not just manufactured, then they cannot be considered blasphemy. If only my grief would be weighed and measured, and my disaster as a whole would be lifted onto a scale. The words ka'as here mean sorrow, not anger. And the relationship between the two emotions, sorrow and anger, is fairly apparent, so it's clear why in Tanakh that one word can have two meanings. Now these words are in response to Eliphaz's assertion from the previous chapters that ka'as, anger, kills the foolish, or a fool is somebody who speaks in anger. And what Eov is responding, what he's saying is, it's not anger that's making me speak, it's sorrow, which is what I'm saying. So if you put both both the sorrow and the disaster on a scale, then it would at this time be heavier than the sands of the ocean, of the oceans, and that's why my words ululate. Lau is a hard word, but since it sounds like the English ululate, which in turn is an onomatopoeia for the sound one makes when facing sorrow and disaster, it seems like a good translation of the word. So getting back to what Eov is saying, Eov is saying that his outburst is natural and normal within the context of this abnorm- abnormally and, and terrible situation. Because the arrows of God are in me. Notice it's the arrows of Shaddai, the name indicating the destructive force of God. The arrows whose poison my life is drinking in. God's terrors are arrayed against me, as if there is a great battle of God's terrors all set up in formation against Eov. Eov is saying that God is, in fact, the one sending this destruction. It's a belief that God, in fact, is does have his hand on what happens in this world. And that the pain that God is sending is unbearable, so why shouldn't he be complaining? Eov asks rhetorically, Does a donkey bray when it has grass to eat? Does an ox low when it has its feed in front of it? And the opposite is apparently true. If Eov is complaining, he's saying, then there's a very good reason for it. Eov, continuing with the food analogy, offers another argument justifying the force of his complaints. No one would quietly down the kind of rotten food, metaphorically, that Eov is being forced to swallow. Hayeyachel tafel mibli melach, melach im yesh. 
tam berir chalamut. Does tasteless food get eaten without salt? The salt is the crying that that uh, that Eov uh, is doing. Is there anything palatable in rear chalamut? Now, rear chalamut is a, a type of food or a type of vegetation, probably, and rear means. So the closest I could suggest for an American audience is the vegetable okra. Uh, it's a southern vegetable, which when cooked, it exudes a clearish, viscous uh, liquid that looks, well, it looks kind of gross. I once had okra soup, and I have to say, even if I had enjoyed the taste, which I did not, the consistency as it oozed off my spoon was something less than appealing. So, and I apologize to all of you out there who love okra, but to each their own. So, the kind of food that, uh, that, that um, Eov is describing, he says, this food I wouldn't even normally touch. I, I would find it disgusting to even touch. has become the bread of my sickness. That is, I'm forced to eat it as a staple, as it causes me constant sickness. So yeah, I've got a good reason to complain. And now that Eov has argued that he is completely justified in, the, in his expression of pain and sorrow, he goes back to his original request from God. Me tain tavo shelati. The tikvati tain eloa, although he's not talking directly to God, he's talking to his friends, hoping that God will do the following. V'yoel eloa v'idakeini yater yadov If only my request would be answered and God would grant my wish. What is that? If only God would agree to break me. If only he would free his hand and finish me off. But Eov ends his request for death with the following self-affirmation in verse 10, an affirmation to his friends on his own Justification for his complaints. Utehi o nechamati va'asalada v'chila lo yachmol ki lo chichariti imrei kadosh. Yes, I would have this comfort, or 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 um, even though I recoil with shaking that will not let up. That is, even as I go to my death, that my comfort is that I never suppress the words about the Holy One, about God. Now, some people say imrei kadosh is the words of God, the word that God spoke. But since God hasn't actually spoken here, the impression is Imre Kadosh is the words he spoke about God. And he is here directly rejecting Eliphaz. So he's saying that not only are my words about God not blasphemous, but I was right to say them because they were the truth. And Eov believes that truth is more is more important than anything else, as we will see. Whether he's right or not is a separate question. Now, these next two verses seem to respond to Eliphaz's suggestion that Eov grin and bear it, that eventually things will work out in the end. That while Eov will suffer, if you remember from the previous uh, chapter, he will suffer six afflictions, the seventh affliction won't, uh, won't reach him, and it will work out in the end. Um, and... Eliphaz suggested that in the end he would make peace with the rocks of the earth and the beasts of the fields, and, and that seems to be what, uh, what Eov is responding to. What strength do I have that I should wait, i.e. waiting for something to be resolved? How long is my life that I should endure, that is endure all this pain and sorrow? Is my strength the strength of stones? Is my flesh made of bronze? Clearly he's saying the answer is no, and he can't bear it anymore. Now, the next verse is difficult, since it's not clear whether Eov is saying that he still has hope, or, or maybe he's saying that he doesn't have any hope. So based on the previous verse, one would have expected Eov to say, I have no hope left. And, and Rashi, in fact, sees the next verse 
as an introduction to the ones that follow, where we'll see that Eov rakes his visitors over the coals. He really castigates it, uh, gives it to them good. So Rashi says that, in fact, he has no uh, has no hope, because the hope was supposed to be the friends who were supposed to come and give him hope, but they didn't. And this creates a nice match for the word Tushia, which we're going to see in the next passage. Since in the last chapter, Eliphaz says that God makes the plans of the clever unsuccessful. That is, they make, they lack Tushia. And here, Eov says, Tushia has been removed from me. So what Rashi says is that Eliphaz has, essentially with his lousy advice and insights, taken away all possible Tushia, all possible hope for success. But the truth is, as we see when we're going to read these words, they kind of read the other way, that, that Eliphaz is saying he does have hope. Ha'im ein ezrati many. Now, ha'im really means, is it so that there is no hope left to me, that success has been pushed away from me? That would seem to indicate that he does have hope. So either we translate ha'im as, isn't it true, not is it so that there is no hope, but isn't it true that I have no hope? Uh, or that perhaps Eov, after being riled up by his friends and, and their accusations, feels that maybe he, he does have some hope, he does have some strength to speak, and that he's going to do so uh, regardless of what they tell him. And now he goes at his friends with a, uh, a very heavy hammer. His friends... Now he's speaking in third person, but he means Eliphaz has removed himself from kindness, and he has abandoned the fear of God of Shaddai. Or perhaps it means Viraat Shaddai Azov. In his fear, he has abandoned Shaddai. He has abandoned God. Uh, Eov is saying it's not me who is strayed from the correct path, not me who has abandoned God, but you have done so by speaking those harsh words to me. I translated the words mas, by the way, as if it were missing an aleph, maas, which means to abandon something out of disgust. Um, and an example of letters falling off in poetry, uh, try the Star Spangled Banner, which says o'er rather than over. Um, so what Eov is saying is not exactly clear here, but we'll see that Eov will go more into this idea of his friends seeing fear and uh, abandoning God in their fear. But first, before we get back to that, Eov really lets them have it in a beautiful and extended metaphor about a dry riverbed. Achai bagadu chamonachal kafik nechalim ya'avoru. My brothers have betrayed like a river does, like a bank where rivers ran through it, i.e., but now is dried up, has no water left. Hakodurim mini kara chalemo yitalik shalik, which which became darkened from the ice. That is, when the waters were still in the rivers, they became darkened in the ice during the winter, and they disappeared, yit'alim shaleg, in the snow. But when it warmed up, it dried up. In the heat, they, the waters, disappeared from their place. They deviate from their path, they go into nothingness, they evaporate, and they are lost. The caravans of Tamar are looking for it. The processions of Sheba turned in hope 
for them. That is for the waters. Tima and Tema and Shiva are both uh, nations probably located on the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, down by modern-day Yemen, and traveled, uh, they used to, caravans used to travel the Arabian desert by essentially hopping from one oasis to another. And therefore, Boshu Kivatach Bawadev Yechparu, they were ashamed to have trusted, i.e. trusted that the waters were still there. They approached it and were humiliated. Ki lo, so too now you have been like nothing like good for nothing, like these waters that people hope for, but they turn out when you get to the river not to be there and you wind up having a worse thirst than when you didn't expect waters at all. Uh, you encountered dread, you saw dread, my dread, and you were afraid. There are a few things going on here. The first is that I read the word lo, lo, as lamed aleph, as in no, or good for nothing or nothing. Uh, many Bibles, probably the ones you'll pull right off your shelves, have lo as lamed vav, meaning to him. But the best Tanakh manuscript is the Aleppo Codex, which is housed in Jerusalem's Shrine of the Book, and it reads without question Lamed Aleph Lo, and there's no variant of Lamed Vav there, so I'm going to stick to that translation as the more accurate one. Also note the beautiful play on the word Tiru, to see, and Tira'u, to be afraid, sandwiching another word for fear, Chatat, which means sort of to break apart in fear. Now, in what way are the friend's fears manifesting themselves? That is, Eob is saying you saw Ma I fear and and you became afraid. But in what way did they become afraid? How does that manifest itself? So perhaps Eov is saying that in their fear that God will smite them too. They claim that Eov is a sinner and that God is just in ruining Eov. Not because they really believe he is a sinner, but because they figure it's a safer bet to justify and placate God than to justify Eov who has you know nothing left and no hope whatsoever. And maybe that's what Eov meant when he said, do you think that I have no Tushiyad? no possible success left to me. Um, which means, yeah, I do have success for, uh, left to me and treating me as if I'm a nothing because you're more afraid of God than, 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 than saying the truth um, is uh, reprehensible. Now, in verse 22, Eov asserts that their harshness with him is unjustified or even worse. Did I say, give it up for me? Take some of your resources and bribe me out of this? Did I ask you to rescue me from the hands of an enemy or redeem me from the hands of an oppressor? Now, on a simple level, Eov might be saying, all I wanted is comfort, not financial help. So why have you said I deserved everything I got with the implication that you're not going to restore me financially since I don't deserve it? But I, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think there's a metaphor. It's not Eov who is saying that they, you know, was asking for a personal payoff. I think that the payment that he's referring to is a payment for God, as if he had asked Eliphaz and his friends to pay off God for him. So, therefore, when Eliphaz said, Eov may be saying that Eliphaz's assertion that God is just and that Eov is a sinner, that Eov sees this so fake, because he knows he's not a sinner. And therefore, he assumes that they must be lying in order to assuage God, to, to as if they're making a payment of nice words to the tyrant, to God, so he'll get off Eov's back. So according to Eov, either Eliphaz doesn't even believe in what he's saying, and who asked him for this false performance, or worse, Eliphaz truly does believe that Eov is a sinner, in which Eov can't stand even more, which is what he says in the following verse. Horuni, 
Vani Aharish, Umashagiti, Havinuli. So show me, if you really think I'm a sinner, either you don't think I'm a sinner and you just want to, you think I need you to pay off God with fake words that accuse me of nothing, or show me that I have a, a real sin and I'll shut up. Show me what is my sin, explain it to me, Havinuli. Eov is demanding that if they really think he's a sinner, that they identify the sin. Because I, I think Eov is either saying, listen, if I'm a sinner, I don't see it. So if you see something I don't, so Speak up. Oh, how powerful would be just words. <clears throat> so what instruction do you have to instruct? That is, he's looking for Imre Yosher. He's obviously mocking them since they do not, they have not been able to pinpoint any sin. They have not been able to speak any Imre Yosher, straight words, other than accuse him of sinning in his outbursts of despair. You all intended to instruct me and rebuke me with words. Words of despair are like the wind. Ruach imre noash. The words of noash, the words of despair, are ruach. They're like the wind. Now that has two possible meanings. Either Eov is referring to his own words. It is, how can you treat my words that come out of despair as wind when you are also speaking just words and who says your words are better than mine? But I think he's actually saying something more harsh. He's saying, I was looking for you to tell me imre yoshar, but instead you told me imre noash. That is, you intended to instruct me, but your words are the opposite of Imre Yoshar. They are Imre Noash, words that can only lead me to despair more. You would even prey upon the orphan. You would sell out a friend. That is, now that I am ruined, that I have nothing, I have no quote-unquote parents to take care of me, I have no resources, no family, now you feel comfortable of accusing me of wrongdoing. And now in verse 28, we see something of the personality of Eov. He, he knows he's pushed them too far. He's really been harsh with them, to say the least. And, and we'll see that they've actually gotten up to leave him because he's being so harsh. But Eov needs his audience. That is, for all his suffering and his desire for death, he really seems to need to play off an audience and, 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 and suffer in public. Now permit yourselves to turn to me. So apparently they had started to turn away from him. And I swear I won't lie to your faces. Come back. Don't be unfair. Return to me until I can be justified in all of this. That is, let me keep talking and see if I can prove to you that I'm right. In their injustice, is there, sorry, is there injustice in my tongue, in my speech? I swear that my mouth will not speak untruth. That is, it will not try to make sense out of false things or wicked things. Now, the true words that Eov does want to speak, we will see tomorrow in chapter 7.